From the Brooklyn Paper Building in downtown Brooklyn, this is Brooklyn Paper Radio. I'm your host, Vince DiMaselli. Uh, with me today is my co-host, Tony Rotuno. Hello, Vince. Hello, hey. listeners. How you been? I've been I've been good. I've been missing this room. It's been two frankly. weeks. I know, it, which seems like a year or more since we were last together. Well, we do so much in between, you know? It's not like we're just sitting around twiddling our thumbs. Hardly. You there, know? N- there is no time for Tom... Thumb twiddling in America's downtown. The news never stops, Tony. No, it doesn't. The news never stops. And you know what we're doing here? We're chasing news, Tony, not clicks. Never clicks. We're just chasing news. That's what we do at the Brooklyn Clicks are are shallow and and calorie building. News is what matters. It is, most definitely. So we've had a lot of news just within the past two days. And, I mean, the website has been blowing up. We've been covering a very big story uh, that happened yesterday. And Tony, why don't you just fill us in on what happened in Park Slope at the corner of 9th Street and 5th Avenue yesterday? Sure. And and to those uh, listeners and readers who received five versions of our daily email blast today with this news, we apologize for the technical glitch that caused it. But yeah, um, basically ever since the collision occurred yesterday around 12.41 p.m., we've been following this horrific crash at 9th Street and 5th Avenue in Park Slope, where um, reports have said a 44-year-old Staten Island resident drove through a red light into a crowd of victims, including two women, one pregnant, two children, both of whom were killed, and another man who was also injured before she crashed into a parked car uh, closer to Fourth Avenue, um, and sort of ended the bloody ride. But but the the you know the community's still spinning. We're still spinning here in the newsroom because the story just it's not it it fails to stop. Um, this morning there was a rally outside of the YMCA where Mayor De Blasio works, which is near which is on Ninth Street near the site of the collision, at which activists were able to confront the mayor about the traffic safety flaws or the what they alleged were traffic safety flaws in the street. And, you know, following that that rally, that confrontation, the district attorney's office just within the past hour announced they're not immediately pressing charges against the driver who they claim suffered a seizure while she was approaching the intersection, which caused her to speed through it run down these victims and crash into the car. They are conducting an ongoing investigation and have said that just because they're not charging the the woman now doesn't mean they won't in the future. But it's just a lot going on. So she's and not being held right now. I mean, she's home. She's She has been... She is not in authorities' custody, as far as I know, following the fact they're not going to charge her right away. Um, you know, it reminds me of a story we covered a couple of weeks ago in which... A man actually was indicted by the district attorney. A man with multiple sclerosis was indicted for for causing a car crash where he hit and killed a, a father over in Flatbush. And prosecutors found that his condition directly contributed to the crash and the death. Therefore, he was responsible. It's too early to tell, I guess, whether seizures are a chronic condition this woman faces and they too sort of caused her to crash into them and ultimately, you know, would would render her responsible for no. it. But it's it's spinning. The world's spinning. I words are spinning out of my mouth right now because 
I just can't keep up with all that's going on. No, it's been very, very uh, hectic day, uh, day and a half without question. And uh, I think you and Colin Mixon, and we even had our old uh, friend Gersh Kuntzman. Dear friend, out co- there, former co-host. Out there, yeah, out there today uh, covering some of, the, some of the events this morning with the, with the mayor. He actually put together a column for us, and he, on his take on this is that um, car nuts are like gun nuts. I thought it was a really provocative and well-put take. I mean, at this point, tell me why it doesn't make sense to initiate common-sense traffic safety reform, just like it doesn't make sense to initiate common-sense gun reform. I don't know if it's just so much common-sense traffic safety reform. It's, It's... There needs to be an understanding that when you're driving a car, you... You know, you can do a lot of damage, and it's up to the driver to make sure. You know, that driver has to be like ultimately responsible for everything that they do. And uh, obviously, accidents happen, but um, you know, and I guess if a person has a seizure while they're behind the wheel and they've never had a seizure before, and their license has never been revoked, and they've never been told by a doctor not to drive a car, if that is if that were the case, then there's really not much you can do in that situation. I mean, we have video of this event uh, that's online right now at brooklynpaper.com, and you can see that this person seemed to be, you know, in my uh, estimation, from my viewing of it, seemed to be a little, you know, like wanted to get going. You know, Yeah, the, you, the video. You, if you see the video, the she comes to a stop, and uh, she starts edging forward, edging forward. Uh, you know, I don't see the, I don't see what color the light is. I just see that she then wait. A car passes, and then it seemed like she had an opening, and she shot across. And again, I don't know what was in her head. I don't know what was happening at the time. We did have uh, Colin Mixon, a reporter, out there, and and no one, none of the witnesses seemed to think that uh, there was a seizure. But they w- probably wouldn't know anyway. And. No. After the after the accident, what was she doing after the accident? She was texting. Um, allegedly, witnesses saw her texting as she was being loaded into an ambulance to be treated for the in- injuries she sustained. And witnesses also described her emotionless, um, sitting, you know, in her car after. Yeah. Well, I don't know what that means. You could be in shock after something like sure, that. Sure, sure. Um, you know, no one knows how how are you going to respond in a in a situation like in a situation like that and um you know but what i was saying was you you have to understand that the driver has to be the person that is ultimately responsible for what they're doing and ultimately making sure that they're doing everything they can not to hit anyone and that means staying within the speed limit even if the speed limit is 25 miles per hour and it means that you're going to get to where you got to go a little bit slower uh, or not as fast even if it means, you know, stopping at red lights and not going through them just because it seems like it's safe to go, you got to wait for the light to turn, you know. Uh, it's, um, you know, we've had this conversation before on the radio, and, you know, we've always, you know, what it always comes down to is, you know, a, the person getting hit, you know, isn't going to hurt the car. The person getting hit is the person that's going to die. And in this case, or could possibly die. And in this case, what happened? The tragedy is we lost two small children, uh, and your heart goes out to the parents, your heart goes out to the family. Um, but, you know, something has to be done. Accidents do happen, yes, that's true. But, you know, the city has to, um, has to make sure that it's as safe as possible for everyone 
out there on the streets. And I know growing up when I was a kid, you know, playing on the streets, you got out of the way when cars were coming and some cars slowed down and some cars didn't. You know, and right. sometimes you jumped out of the way, you know, while you were playing ball in the street. Uh, sometimes the cars slowed down and you could, you know, finish the play as we were doing, you know, like playing ball on the street. Serious. Yeah. You know, let's you know, some guys would let you go. And some stick guys ball. Wouldn't. What are we doing? We weren't playing stick ball. No, we used to call it tennis whiff. But that's a that's a whole nother story for for another day. But um you know, ultimately, it's up to the drivers to make sure everybody's safe, and ultimately, it's up to the city to make these interse- these intersections and the streets and the sidewalks as, as safe as possible. Uh, you know, uh, Mayor de Blasio's Vision Zero plan, you know, is high-minded. It's, uh, it's, it's certainly it's something, it's something, it's it's obviously it's something listen, to shoot who for. Who wouldn't want zero traffic right. deaths by any year it's, but it's when you, you know, when you come up to an intersection that people have talked about in the past is dangerous and nothing's been done in a long time and now we have two more deaths you know what's gonna what's gonna happen next you know yeah no it's 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 a scary you know and 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 not not to just pile on but the yesterday's crash follows two others that i can think of three um you know, in the past three weeks where where pedestrians died um, in collisions with with moving vehicles, some some of some of whom, you know, maybe weren't following their the own rules of the road for pedestrians, but others of whom it seemed, you know, were just casualties of incidents that could have been avoided, perhaps with better traffic regulations or, you know, with keeping drivers who maybe shouldn't be on the road off the road. Um, A woman killed by a UPS driver in in Fort Greene earlier, or not earlier this month, because it's March now, last month. um, And then, and then another, another um, person who was killed last week crossing Ocean Parkway where it meets Prospect Expressway, which is another really, you know, treacherous intersection that, Again, city city politicians have tried for a while now to to improve, but you know, for whatever reason, bureaucracy moves slower than these cars speeding <laughs> along our streets. <laughs> well, we we recognize that we wanted to write about um, this a long time ago. I mean, years ago, the Brooklyn paper came up with the, our uh, Mean Streets coverage the battle for Brooklyn byways, and we came up with a fancy logo with, uh, you know, a car and a pedestrian and a bicyclist. And, you know, and anytime we wrote about the stuff that was happening uh, on the streets, this goes back to the goes back to the Bloomberg administration. I remember seeing the first Chevrons for bike lanes. Oh, wow. In the middle of uh, J Street, headed down into Dumbo and saying to myself, what's that? And then I came into the office and I was talking to to. Uh, Gersh at the time was uh, one of my editors, and and we started. I said to him, "This is a big deal. Like they just put a, you know, like it's not a bike lane, but it's like a bike route, and they kind of put it in the middle of J Street, and it, you know, as a driver, <laughs> it seemed a little weird that 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 would be there. Yeah. But you know, it also heightened my uh, sensitivity, or at least my uh, my like. I, now all of a sudden, I was looking for bicyclists. We're in Dumbo." In 2007 or 2006 or whatever it was, you didn't expect uh, you know that many bicyclists down there. But now 
you know, obviously there was a bike lane. Now there's there must have been some uh, demand for it. Um, but that was a, that was the first we saw of it, and the Mean Streets logo came up shortly thereafter. And you know, we've written lots of stories about um, how how difficult it was for the city to put in bike lanes. There was the controversy on uh, Prospect Park uh, South. Prospect Park South, Prospect Park Southwest, along Park Slope. Yeah, yeah. I think it. I think it may have been West. Prospect Park West, where the 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 city came in and put in a bike lane, a protected bike lane, cut away a lane of traffic, and uh, you know people went crazy. And then obviously, even the cars going through Prospect Park. You know, sure. now the mayor has has uh, has stopped cars from going through at all times. It's a car free park. Um, you know. Ten years ago, you would that would never have happened. Marty Markowitz was dead set against. He wanted to do everything he could for traffic calming and making sure cars were going slower. But one of the things he would not do was was ban cars from Prospect Park because he he felt that those you know people driving home from work that lived out in Kensington and and points further out sure. you know, needed the park to get through, and it was a it was a shortcut. It was a convenient shortcut. And that's the thing about when you're driving. When you're driving, you know, again, I'm someone who. You're well, a driver. I couldn't wait. I grew up on the, Staten Island. The I, most polite driver I've ever <laughs> driven with, by the way. <laughs> Thank you for pointing that out. I, I couldn't wait uh, to get my driver's license at 17. I had like a countdown calendar. Me and my buddies, you know, we were juniors in high school, you know, and um, we couldn't wait to be able to, you know, put our bikes away and be able to just drive to school and drive to the places where we had to go. It was a, it was a big deal. And... Um, you know, when you get into a car, your expectation is you're not going to, um, you know, have these, you know, any delay. Right. <laughs> a lot of times when you're a driver, any delay, it's like an affront on you. It's a, and, yeah, it's insulting. And as you, I've gotten older, I've learned to, you know, deal with these things. And you will get there. Yeah, you're going to get there. And it's still going to get there faster. Nine and times out of ten. Is waiting for you is still probably going to be waiting. Like for this you. morning, I didn't want to drive in because there was so much traffic on the BQE uh, coming over the Verrazano and all that stuff. And uh, I didn't want to drive in because, it, you know, I'll check the app and I'll see how long it's going to take me. And I live right by the right by the Staten Island Ferry. Right. Now, normally, if I walk to the ferry, it's going to take me an hour to get to work. But it's a very relaxing hour, you know, especially if I leave after the rush. You know, after rush hour, if I walk to the ferry, I could time my walk to the ferry, so I'll get there right as the as the ferry's leaving. But this morning, when I looked at the clock, I was like, oh, it was like almost nine thirty. If I could make the nine thirty boat, I'd be in the office at nine at ten fifteen, something like that. And I, so I checked the watch, but it was like it was. It was nine nine thirty boat. It was nine twenty. So I got to get to the ferry in ten minutes, which I can't do walking. But my wife was leaving, so I says, "Hey, just give me a ride to the ferry, and I'll, you know, I could make that drive in five minutes, which we did." But I got to the ferry, and I just missed the boat. Oh no! So then I had to walk back. Now I'm timed. Now it. I'm like, well, what am I going to do? How long? Stranded at the ferry because I got to wait a half hour for the next boat. Right. So what do I do? Do I wait the half hour for the next boat, or do I walk home? Take me 20 minutes to walk home. 10, you know, 15, 20 minutes to walk home, and then hop in the car and go. And I'm like trying to do the math. What's going to be faster? And I'm like, oh, the car is going to be faster. I, I tried to figure that out. Turned out it wasn't. I, of course, the <laughs> best was. laid plans are always. Well, was it Friday night with the? There was yeah, I remember trucks we being blown over on the Verrazano Bridge during that all nasty this stuff storm. Yeah, and you, it's like, what do I? Like, how am I going to get home? And I just I took the ferry that night. I says I'm not even. Oh, when you I, did end up taking. When the I ferry. look at when I look at the the Waze app 
and it tells me I'm going to end up on First Avenue in Brooklyn. And who even knew there was a First Avenue in Brooklyn? You guys know where First Avenue is? Anybody? Only after looking at that Waze app. Yeah, well, First Avenue is in Sunset Park, but it's like way down in, by the water. It's, it's, it's very small. You were going over every... You, it's like Third Avenue, Second Avenue, First Avenue. That yeah, route. I was like, no, this is not going to happen. It's, there's no way. So I ended up taking the... And then tonight, it's, like, you know, it's going to snow tomorrow. And what should I do? Should I leave the car here in the garage, or should I... Or should I, you know, take the ferry home, or should I drive my car home and then have to deal with that tomorrow and the snow and all that? You know, the point is the dilemma. It's like the eternal dilemma. But the point is that cars, you know, cars are a necessity in so much of this city, just you know, as bicycles are or public transport. You know, the, it's it. The, well, some people would argue they're not a necessity. Uh, some people would argue if you live in Manhattan or you live in parts of Brooklyn, you don't you don't need sure. A, yeah, but you can. Parts. I mean, but it's certainly the case that if if you want to live in the more suburban areas of the city, like stat you know, like Staten Island, like parts of Queens, like parts of the Bronx, you know, further out there where there's less public transportation, but like Marine Park, sure, yeah, you know, it's uh, it's Which pretty, you know, it's pretty <laughs> it's pretty helpful to have a car to to get around, and you know. And take advantage of both the roads and the, you know, everybody complains about Robert Moses, but I'll always tell you this, in the middle of the night, there's no better way to get anywhere when there's no traffic than on our highways, which, you know, which can get you pretty much anywhere in the city at a, at a, you know, at 50 miles an hour in half hour, 45 minutes, you could get from, you know, one end to the other as long as there's no traffic, but, you know. It is what it is. But that, that brings us to our guests on the show today, because we wanted to talk not just about, uh, you know, the, the, the tragedy that happened in, in Park Slope yesterday. We, have, we had guests scheduled to come on today to talk about um, other stuff uh, that's happening in Brooklyn that is related to our, our Mean Streets coverage, sure. which, again, at the beginning of the year, we decided we were going to move away from Mean Streets, and we were going to start to look at... Uh, the uh, the mayor's um, vision zero plan, and yeah, t- tell us about what, what we decided to do, Tom. So, so y- you know, as Vince, as Vince, as you said, Mean Streets, b- the Brooklyn paper is known for its Mean Streets com- coverage, known for sort of pioneering that um, that that vertical, if you will. <laughs> um, but we were, you know, we were we we did want to take a step and and think more thoughtfully uh, about how we can advance that coverage, maybe how we can sort of drill it further down in in context with this ongoing Vision Zero initiative, you know, which I, I believe now the, the goal is 2024 to, to have zero traffic-related fatalities in New York City by 2024. And what we, you know, what we started to to notice were there were instances where... It, there were there were people who were killed and there were investigations that followed and you know at some point months passed investigations were ongoing so information was was perhaps harder to come by um but but things sort of got very gray and you know if if you're looking to create a city where there's no traffic related fatalities Part of doing that, I think, is showing the drivers who commit them and commit them, you know, by breaking the law, that they're not going to get away with that. So enforcement 
kind of law enforcement helps. Kind of, it's kind of a big deal. Yeah, it's sort of critical <laughs> to um, to keeping keeping death down. Um, so so we created a, a sort of a sub Mean Streets Mean Streets inspired series <laughs> um, that we're calling Blind Spots, uh, and you know the tagline of that is sort of what Vision Zero overlooks. Um, you know what 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 it's missing, what it what it maybe is trying to explain away instead of just acknowledging, you know, maybe was a mistake and, and should have been addressed differently. Um, and, and as Vin said, we have two guests here who were really tremendous contributions to this ongoing series and one of our, our more recent stories, which is still, I think, doing very popularly on the site, um, our, our piece at sort of describing the culture of one of, of a private gar- carding company where or for a driver for whom hit and killed a cyclist in Greenpoint last last summer last July Neftali Ramirez mm-hmm. who we've spoken on the show about before um and in order to kind of go in, de- in depth into that culture we spoke to one of our guests who's with us today Alan Henry uh who's now with Teamsters Local 813 a union that represents some drivers for this company and his son, Alan, who also works for the company um, as a helper, which are the employees who ride on the back of the, the packer trucks, which pick up basically, as far as I understand it, all garbage that isn't maybe relegated to dumpsters, um, which, is, which, is, which is dealt with by another, another truck and driver. Um, and it's great to have... To have both Alan's on the show today because we're gonna have to figure out who Alan one or Alan two, big Alan, little Alan. Um, because that story, like I said, it, it opened a lot of, it raised a lot of eyebrows. It opened, it. I think it prompted as many questions as it answered. Mm-hmm. Um, and and just to have them, you know, maybe give a little more context to our listeners uh, as as our blind spot series unfolds is is a really great opportunity. So let's start with uh, Alan. The older Alan, can you say hi? <laughs> How you doing? All right, thanks for having me. Oh, no problem. It's, it's great to have you on. So, just tell us a little bit about you. You've been in the carding business now. How long? Uh, I've actually been in the carding business over thirty years. Oh, uh, okay. I've been working for private sanitation since the age of fifteen, uh, and I became a uh, organizer for the Teamsters Union at uh, when was it? About four years ago, okay. so I, I did roughly about thirty years on the truck before wow. making the move to the yes. to, as a union rep. Yes, which uh, my dad was a you know he was a cop right for right. a long time, and then he became like a union rep for the SBA oh, I didn't know and all that. that stuff. Yeah, it's all. So is that a natural trajectory? It can be in certain. It can be. It doesn't have, but I but guess unionized industries. The the the. You know the the carding industry. Obviously, there's there's a long history there, and and for those for those that don't know how it works, basically in New York City, all of the all the garbage that gets picked up uh, for households is done by the sanitation department. And that's all taken care of by the city. But when it comes to uh, private um, businesses, stuff like the Brooklyn Paper and everybody in this building, and city agencies, and city agencies, and all you know, every business basically. All the uh, garbage that gets produced has to be picked up by private carding companies. And um, in the story that we focused on, Action Carding was the carding company where this accident happened, uh, where someone happened, uh, where um, Nefli Ramirez was was killed. 
And then we followed up with how the police investigated that and, and looked into it. But the point is, all of those trucks are, are out there drive, you know, driving around. And you usually, and it's, it's a very uh, common sight in New York City at night to see these trucks driving around, uh, picking up garbage and moving on. Action isn't just one. There's waste management. There's five star. You know, I'm sure anyone who's listening has seen one of these trucks. Yeah. So can you just tell us about your experience working for them, what it was like, and, you know, just quickly take us through like how, how you ended up uh, working in the in the industry and then what it was like and, and maybe what the um, what the atmosphere is. Well, uh, working in the industry is rough. Uh, it's long hours. It's hard work. And uh, as a private sanitation worker, you feel uh, voiceless because of a lot of the things that's going on in this industry mm-hmm. that needs to be changed. You just feel like there's nobody out there that cares and that, you know, a lot of these workers feel. And even when I was on a truck, I, at a certain point, you feel like you feel helpless. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got long hours. You, you're talking uh, anywhere 12, 14 hour uh, per night. You're talking six days a week. And it gets to a point where you're so tired, you, by the middle of the week, you're coming to work, starting your route, dead tired. Mm-hmm. You can't catch up. So that was one of the things that interested me in the story is because we did talk about the hours and stuff like that. Now, you know, pilots and stuff, there there are laws in place where, you know, a pilot can't be flying for 20 hours straight. Are there any laws or any any regulations, like how you guys are allowed to drive, how often you're allowed to be there? Because it just seems to me 14 hours a day, you know, six days a week, I'm not that good at math, Tony. I'm not that good at math. I that, never was. That's more than a 40-hour week. Are you getting overtime? Well, well, it, it all depends who you worked for. If you mm-hmm. worked for Action, you, you was getting overtime. But the problem is this. The, you know, that's the law. You can work up to 14 hours uh, 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 per shift. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's other laws you need to, that, that's mixed in there. But at the end of the day, there's a problem with the law. Because, right. you know, you you can't do those type of hours night in and night out and night in and night out. If you there isn't a, a, a private sanitation worker in this city that will tell you that they wasn't driving and dozing off uh, two, three nights out the week mm-hmm. that you won't find one because and it's a common thing. You know, when you're driving, I, I noticed this as I got older. You know, I would drive up to, you know, my wife has family up in Massachusetts, or something like that. So I got a Friday, you know, we get off work and you hop in a car and I got to do this drive. It would only be, should only be a four hour drive, but with all the traffic and stuff like that, it's an eight hour drive or whatever. And you finish driving the car and you're tired. It's I mean, exhausting. I, you know, I don't think people realize, you know, it's not like a workout where you're at the gym and you're running and, and you're like physically, you're physically tired, but your brain gets tired. Because when you're driving, you're you're in a hypersensitive state. At least I am. Because I'm looking everywhere. You know, when I'm driving up on some road in upstate New York, I'm I'm trying to spot that deer that's going to jump out in front of me. You know, you're always you know you're always focused on on what's happening. And I don't I don't know if there are any studies out there about how much brain activity is actually going on while you're driving the car. But that's it's 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 extremely tiring. And I know that I would get to the place I got to go, and I would just collapse. And my wife's like, what's going on? I'm like, I'm exhausted, you know? And most of this is happening at night, right, Alan? It's during, you know, in the later hours when, when most of your your work is 
your your shifts are, or is it all day? Or well, it's the the shifts start at night. But the scary part of this is the time when most drivers get tired is you know four o'clock, five o'clock in the morning, and 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 by the time these kids go to school in the morning, these 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 drivers are dead tired. Right. And and I'm I can tell you from what our members tell us. I can tell you from my own personal experience because I worked on a truck for 30 years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what about the companies from the workers that we hear from uh, that don't have a union? You, you know, we, right. we've got company, we got workers from companies coming back telling us that they're, that they're working uh, 20 hours a day. They get off, go home for two hours, and come right back to work. We, we've, we've met with workers that was, has been fired fired for refusing to work a 24-hour shift. So, you know, this industry is out of whack mm -hmm. and it needs some type of uh, regulation in it because what, what they have now is definitely not working. So that's at a, that's at a non-union shop. But at a union shop, what is the union... I mean, are there, are there talks now about trying to get these hours down or is it just, well, that's the law and that's what it's going to be? Well, uh, our members uh, are telling us enough's enough. They saying the hours is 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 too much. The six days uh, working a week is too much. Mm -hmm. They they're tired of working fourteen hours, thirteen hours. They feel like they don't have a life. And how you was talking earlier about the deer, how you you know you drive through a certain place where you know deers uh, run around, and you, you Staten Island, right? And you <laughs> and and but when you in an area where there's deers, you get more cautious, right? Yeah. It's very hard to do that when you when you're dozing off. Right, of course. It's right. very hard right. to to you you know it's theirs, but you so sleep deprived. Uh, mm -hmm. It's hard to pay attention. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it's it's you know something needs to be done here, and uh, the workers is uh, you know is screaming to the city for help because uh, the way it's set up right now, the the workers don't have a voice. Well, I got to talk about the uh, the way people look at 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 these trucks at, at night and and what we see. You know, and a lot of times, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you, you see these trucks, these trucks driving around at night. Again, there's less traffic. I understand that. But they seem to be driving sometimes what appears to me to be recklessly. I've seen them go the wrong way down one-way streets. I've seen them go through traffic lights or basically come up to a traffic light and stop and then go through it while it's still red. I mean, I see a lot of, you know, cowboy attitude, what it seems like as another driver or as a pedestrian on the street. Um, is that something that's pervasive in the industry? Is that is there a reason for that? Is 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 it because you guys are trying to get so much done that the only way to do it is to drive like a crazy person? Is it a macho thing? I could drive a big truck. What what causes that to happen? Uh, it's definitely not a macho thing. Uh, nobody wants to come to work and run lights and drive on the wrong side of the street and drive down one way street. But you have so much work, you cannot do it the correct way. The work will not get finished. And for most of these companies, if the work don't get finished, means you'll be out of a job. Because if you keep coming in and, you know, let's, I'll give you a perfect example. Mm -hmm. I come in. Uh, my hours is up. I exhausted all my 14 hours. And I say, well, it's 53 stops I missed because I ran out of my, uh, my hours. Uh, mm -hmm. You're out of time. Yeah. That ain't going to happen too many times before you out the door. Right. So the drivers cannot do the work that they are given in a legal, safe manner. Mm -hmm. They cannot do it. And that is the reason why you see them running uh, the uh, lights and going down one-way streets and on the, the, the other side of the street. 
I'm guilty of that. When mm-hmm. I was on the truck, I, I I kept it to a minimum as much as I could, but I, I've, I'm even guilty of that. Mm-hmm. And it's not because I wanted to do it. I was overworked. It was because that that was the only way that you could... You know, exactly. That you could get there without... You would, it, according to you, you were doing it to keep you to keep your job. Yeah, basically, because if you didn't if you didn't do that, you weren't going to get it done in the time allotted. Or, <laughs> and I I see. What, now, I, what like what? I mean these 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 carding companies, you know, they make a ton of money with their contracts. You know that that they bid for. You know, even from the city alone, million hundreds of millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars. What like has there ever? In your experience, like, are they open to adding more drivers, you know, within their ranks to sort of lessen the load, or they really want to keep it as the f- small, the smallest staff possible to get the job done? Well, the smallest staff possible to get the job done means the more money in the company's pocket. Right. Uh, my personal opinion is nothing will change unless unless the city enforce change. Unless the laws change. Right. Because they're going to do what bare minimum legally. Because uh, think about it like this. So you got one truck doing the work of one and a half truck. So every two trucks is doing the work of three trucks. So why would they put more t- trucks on the street? They they know you overworked. They just, they're going to just, it's this mirage, like nobody knows you're overworked. Like nobody knows why you're out there 14 hours. No, you know, they play the game like nobody knows what's going on. And this always, like, Ran through my mind. So, so we said before some of the action trucks are, which are called are are called packers, and they they have two employees working on them, um, a driver and a helper. Which younger Alan, you're a, you're a helper. Can are helpers also like licensed dri- drivers, and can they get behind the wheel of the truck, or not in all circumstances? I mean, I mean, not at all, really. You can't really get behind the truck at all, but um. The helpers may be more overworked than the drivers. It's all overworked, but the helpers is doing... They're doing the physical yeah, labor. Yeah, the physical labor right. every day. And you're hanging on the back of the truck. Sometimes you can't get inside the truck for two hours. You got to hang because there's so much work back to back to back. Right. You may be on the step for two hours working. By the time you get inside the truck, you may doze off. and You may not even want to get out, get outside the truck. So, so all helpers aren't necessarily trained to be drivers and vice versa. Like you're, you're A not driver couldn't... Interchangeably work as a helper or the other way. No, because one would think that might help. You know, share the load. You could, you could take a break if you're tired of helping. You could. Dry. I guess you're still exhausted, but I don't know. Yeah. Um. The other thing that I wanted to ask, which you just brought up, you know, kind of jumping around here, but one of the, um, one of the, sort of main arguments as to why the the driver who worked for action carding and killed the cyclist in Greenpoint didn't get charged is because um, cops determined he didn't know he hit the cyclist. And part of that was because they claimed the helper on the truck was in the front seat of the car when it happened. So he didn't see the, the truck, you know, running over the cyclist. There's video footage that that shows the helper on the back of the truck before the collision occurred, and then there's no footage of the actual crash, and then there's footage showing him inside the truck like moments after the crash. And I wanted to know how often is it for helpers to get in the truck? Do they get in the front cabin that often? Or like why would they get into the cabin? You you just said maybe to rest between pickups or... 
it all depends your route. Like you can have fifty stops on one block and you want to step, or you may do a stop and the next stop is thirty blocks away. So you may get in and you ride in the, the, the inside the truck for a half hour. Got so it. It, it all depends where you're going. You may be done the route, going back to the shop. So you inside the truck. It, it all depends what you're doing. Sure. So we need to know where where yeah, the no, first stop was. Where well, it would be interesting was. to see what but, the stops were in the area. Yeah, how? I know. This, I just want to be clear on something. You know, garbage collection is a dangerous job. Incredibly. Um, and I'm not just saying this to you know, to you know, make you guys feel good. I mean, I've covered stories long time. I, I remember once it was a sanitation work, a New York City sanitation work. He's just picking up garbage, and somebody threw out like uh, it was like acid, and you know they. It gets crushed in the thing, and the acid sprays out on on the poor guy, and you know, oh, stuff wow. like that happened in Brooklyn in in the late '90s and stuff like that. You know, and you, know, you talk about being on the back of this truck, and like I see these guys doing it, and I'm just like, that's it's a little crazy, you know? Is it? I mean, do you feel safe back there, or is it something that that you you know? Is it? it, it sometimes it looks like it could be fun, but like, I think for a guy my age, not so much. But is it like? I mean, are you in any danger when you're riding on the back of the truck? I mean, at times it may feel like fun, but there is danger. Like, I've been involved in situations I didn't have to jump off a truck because mm-hmm. if I had hung on the truck, I was going to get hit by another truck. Something coming the other way or yeah, something like it's, that? It's, it is. It's dangerous. It's very dangerous. But um, you got to get the job done. Mm-hmm. Now, what about this? This the concept that in, in the Ramirez uh, case... They didn't know that they hit him. How 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 possible? And I'll open this up to either one of you guys. How possible is that? Like, it just seems to me if you run over something, you especially you know a human body, you're going to feel or, it. Yeah, with, on a bicycle. Yeah, you know, like it. Uh, it it all depends on the situation. That is that's 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 possible. You that, think you think it's possible? I that think you that's can, possible because you can be in a you can be in a loaded truck and the truck is loaded and it would be hard to feel running. It would, it, you know, running over a bike or something like that. It, you, it could, it's possible. It's possible that yes. you wouldn't even feel it. Like, yeah, you're in the possible. truck all night. The truck is already on its own, jumping up and down all night. Right. So you won't know the difference between hitting a bump or running over a bike. It all depends the situation. And yeah. you might not. And, and stop. The help, I hope we could get inside the truck, go to sleep, and it's just on the driver to be aware. So it all depends what happens. Sure. Yeah. And you know, if you're rumbling along and it's normal. If, if a bumpy ride is normal and you're already under the gun to get as much done as you can, you're not going to stop every time you know you hit a little a little bump. I suppose. So, what's the union's answer? Like, what is the union doing for these drivers? I mean, we talked about the long hours. We've talked about uh, you know being tired when you come to work. Like, what is what and and knowing that you have to drive the wrong way down one-way streets in order to get the job done. What's the union's take on all this, and what's the union doing to, uh, or is the union doing anything to, to, to make things better on the drivers and, and, the, and the helpers? Well, uh, two things. Uh, the union supports uh, the uh, waste zone uh, bill that they uh, currently have down at City Hall right, right now. So, so this is the bill where they want to basically take the city, divide it up into certain areas, and then give those areas to specific carding companies. Well, I don't believe it's give. I believe it's going well, to be some type of bid. bid. Yeah, a bid. Right. But, but basically, if so, like, you know, everyone in Greenpoint deals with action carding. Everyone in Williamsburg deals with, you know... Uh, five star. Five star. Correct. Something like that. Something like that. Correct. Based on a bid, but, but it would... Um, 
it would basically limit the the amount of area that the truck is going to have to cover. So how does that make things better? Uh, it makes things a lot better, ten times better, and this is how. Right now, you have uh, trucks that start off in, say, Hunts Point in the Bronx. Mm -hmm. Now, that truck is picking up stops throughout half the Bronx. Now, if you look at the truck miles, by the end of the night, that truck done did 70, 80 miles. Mm -hmm. Now, let's say that now you, 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 you put a zoning system in effect, and now that one truck, all of that one truck work is in one area, which w is going to cut the truck uh, miles down tremendously. Mm -hmm. The driver uh, it, it will work less hours. The helper will work less hours. And it'll be a, a totally safer environment. The way it's set up right now is I can go to one block, pick up three stops, drive five blocks, pick up another two stops, then drive 20 blocks, get one stop. And if you look on a map... Mm -hmm. Your route, it's all over the place. You, 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 you're going through half a borough. Mm -hmm. And that's where the 14 hours come in, the 12 mm -hmm. hours come in. That's where the long hours is coming from. The truck is driving too many miles. So the zoning system, uh, it, in my opinion, is over needed. Mm -hmm. Is that the opinion? Is that what the, um, what the union is, is that, saying as well? Absolutely. absolutely. Now, who, who's against the zoning problem? Uh, pretty much, for what I know, every single... Uh, Waste hauler. No, so the ownership. The companies. Yes, the, the companies, ownership is yeah. against it. And what you know, I, I don't put you on the spot here. What's their What's their argument again? I know a lot of times people are going to say, "Well, this is just un-American because now you're you're basically saying that only you can only take so many areas." I'm guessing. Right. You're you're regulating where commerce can happen. Yeah, or you're regulating who can who, who can, can come in bid for the commerce. Yeah, who could come in and do something like that? But why would the why would ownership be against this? Because it seems like it's a win-win for everybody based on what you're saying. Well. It, Right now, they they have nobody telling them what to do. They do what they want to do. Mm -hmm. they, they can they can work the driver fourteen hours. You got companies that work the you know you got other companies that work their drivers at eighteen hours. Just stay out there till the work is done. So why would they want a, a zoning system where they're gonna have oversight now from the city? Right now, they have no oversight. They can do what they want to do. They can treat the workers any type of way they want to treat them. Uh, this, this, if this zoning uh, uh, takes place, which I hope it does, uh, now is regulation. There's somebody with an eye on you. And, right. of course, uh, why would they want that when they can do whatever they want now? So it's a regulation thing is what it comes down oh, to. It's, 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 oh, yeah. It's going, to be a, it's going to be more oversight also. And so, again, let's just get, but let's just get back to you. i got to get back to this 14-hour thing. Now, again. I'm not sure we answered this. The only way that's going to stop, the only thing that's going to stop like a 14-hour workday would be would be a law. Is that it? Or could the union make that demand on, on ownership? Well, the, the, the union, the, the demand that the union, it, it, that, that the uh, Teamsters Union uh, uh, is, that is in our stance is our members are demanding change. Mm -hmm. They're not axing. Our members are fed up. Mm -hmm. Uh they do not want to work six days a week no more. Uh, their contract is actually up in uh, June. Mm -hmm. Our members are very upset about a lot of things. They're upset about uh, their pay. They're upset about the hours they're working. Uh, they're, upset, uh, they're upset about not having a life. Mm -hmm. And uh, our members are demanding change. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, it, we know no law is going to go into effect over the next couple of months. But our members are tired and they're not standing for it anymore. And, uh, you know, they made it clear to us 
And uh, when negotiations start with the company, we're going to make it clear to them our members are not happy. All right. So the negotiations you're talking about are specific to action carding? Absolutely. Not, you know, the. No. But let's say you guys were to go on strike. Um, would that strike, would that be something that other unions or, well, there's only one Teamsters, right? So would that mean a walk off across the board or just an action carding? Well, we're not talking about a strike. <laughs> See, <laughs> I asked the tough question. <laughs> Whenever you get they that answer. That yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not, we're not talking about a strike. But in, in all seriousness, uh, something has to be done. And listen, our members, it's not like this has been going on for a short period of time. This has been going on for a long time, and they're fed up. And they've, they've been complaining with, on deaf ears from the, com- from the company. Mm-hmm. And enough's enough, and our members made that clear to us. And uh, we're going to sit down with the company and make it clear to them. Change has to come. Now, um, let's get I, back. I have, a com- I have sort of a it's, – it's a left field question, but it's also right you know, in the diamond because it's, it pertains to the story. What is there a protocol, and if so, what is it, you know, after a driver hits – a, a person like you know when it's reported that that a that a that one of let's say one of actions drivers hits a person kills them or not is there a protocol within the company like a review process where that person's called in and they talk about what happened is it never spoken of like what that's a very good question Tom. what what happens in the company after accidents like that in well, your if experience? You, that, from you hitting somebody? Yeah, hit them, injure them, kill them. Or, or, any, or an accident in general. Well, know? at Action Carding, you, you, after you have an accident, you're going to report the accident. Uh, you're going to call a supervisor right away. Uh, when, you get in, when you get back to the company, you're going to fill out an accident report uh, stating what happened in that accident. And mm-hmm. depending on the accident, you could also get sent for a drug test right at that moment. Right at that moment. Right yeah, right, right at that moment. moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got it. Well, there you go. Does that answer your question? It does. I mean, it's it, there's a system in place to report those things, and then I it sounds like it's up to management to further pursue it if they feel it's worth further pursuit. Right. But uh, in your uh, experience, maybe they're not really – they don't do that. They don't spend time, like, pouring over the details of what happened as long as, you know, you can still do your job and pick up your garbage. Well, in Action Carden's defense – which I don't have much to defend about, but in their in, in their defense, they do have regular safety meetings. They do. The problem with the safety meetings is, uh, which they have monthly. They do. The problem is when workers tell them about problems, they don't do anything about it. So if workers say, "Listen, it's t- we're overworked," that's going to go on deaf ears. Right. I'm falling asleep driving. That type that type of stuff is going to go on deaf ears. Right. So they do they do have a safety program, but they it's also shallow. It's- they, they also know that their 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 work is overworked. Right. You know their 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 safety program maybe do, you're saying doesn't address the root causes of what creates unsafe. They might address it. They might they'll they'll have a they'll have a safety meeting about fatigue, but they won't oh. lessen your route. <laughs> so that seems so they they will have a safety meeting. On is there fatigue. is there coffee at that meeting? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's no coffee. <laughs> Wow, so they'll have safety meetings. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And what do they tell you? They they go through everything. They have they have safety meetings on every on everything. But if we're a fatigue meeting, you know, so you you they're saying here's how you, what do they say to do to avoid fatigue 
aside from obviously not work less. All right. So I'm not going to say what they say because I, I don't remember offhand. Sure, sure, but they sure. might tell you, make sure you get the proper sleep or whatever. <laughs> and so they, they go through the whole thing. They say the right things. Right. It's just that when you tell them that I have a problem, I'm... You know, it's I have a problem because I'm overworked. Right. So that's fatigued. Right, right. I, I mean, I, I can touch on it. Like, say, if you may feel some dizziness or start cramping, they'll tell you what to do when you start feeling this dizziness and the cramping. Which isn't or, pull your truck over and take a, a nap. No, it's just do this. Or, or, or they may uh, instruct the helpers on how to assist your driver if he's uh, dozing off or anything like that. But they won't address the root of the problem. The reason we having these issues is because of the work. It's too much work on the route. Right. When you tell them that, it's like it falls on deaf ears. So do they just suggest like pounding a Red Bull or something, or like is that like what? It's it's not that. Like, it's not the direct bull. The 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 Red Bull. It's just anything. Like they'll tell you keep a water, keep some keep some sure. water in the cooler. Sure. They may give you a a, a cold towel. But it's not sure. it's, it's not the root of the you. issue. The right. issue is the little band aids over you know a exactly. broken leg. Exactly, the root is is the work. So in the Ramirez case, the driver uh, the driver in question was 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 not was his license was suspended. His, no, he he didn't have the right class of license to drive a garbage truck. He didn't have the right class. So how does something like that happen? I uh, mean, because I would think even the union would would need to know if if you're licensed to drive the truck that you know. Well, in this case, I could tell you what I believe happened. Okay. And another in defense of action card, in which I, I rarely defend. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but in day defense, uh, when I worked there, they always check, they're always checking everybody's license. Mm -hmm. They're always checking your license because, who knows, your license could get suspended and you don't know it. It can happen. Right. Uh, so they're always, they're always checking your license. And what I believe happened was, and this is common in CDO drivers, uh, you could... You, you have a, a, a uh, medical card now. All CDO drivers have medical cards. Mm -hmm. And you have to get that renewed every two years. Some people every one year, depending on your, if you have any issues or not. Condition. And when you go to the doctor to renew that card, the doctor tells you, uh, after if you pass the test, that they will, don't worry about getting the paperwork to the motor vehicle. They'll handle it. Mm -hmm. What I'm thinking, I could be wrong. What I'm thinking is he did his medical test and the doctors say they sent it and it never made it to the motor vehicle and they downgraded him. Because I, for somebody to work for Action Carden without a CDL license is impossible. Yeah. They, they don't, that they don't do. Like they don't let anybody drive their trucks without a, a license. So I'm thinking what happened was he, his uh, license probably got downgraded and the doctor never sent it to the motor vehicle because that happens to so how plenty would you, of people. So how would you find out if that happened, though? How would you know that your license was downgraded? Because they would, what would happen is Action Carden would eventually, uh, would eventually tell you because it would hit their computer system somewhere that your license is no longer valid, and the motor vehicle would eventually send you a letter in the mail saying that we haven't received your medical card, and you're, you're downgraded. So the license that, that we're talking about is a specific license to drive... This specific truck, or is it a specific? Is it just a, a truck driver's license? What's the license for? It's a CDL. It's a commercial driver's license. It's a commercial driver's license. Right. And does that work just like uh, my regular driver's license, where every two years you just go and you take the test and you get it renewed, or is it like something completely different? It's a little different because you have to get the license renewed. But truck drivers, we have a medical card. We have to go get a checkup. Okay. And if we don't pass the checkup, we we get downgraded. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can't have sky high blood pressure and drive a truck. That's that's going to you're not going to pass the uh, the DOT physical and they'll downgrade your license. OK, so and those medical cards l- like lapse faster than like a normal license expiration. Is that like a once a year? Thing? Oh, it could be either once a year, twice a year. Once a year. So if you somebody who have maybe high blood pressure or diabetes or anything that it's a it's a, it's a certain amount of things that trigger you to get a one year. Mm hmm. Uh, if if got you're it. if you're good to go, you get the two years. Nice. But it's got to be renewed every one year or two years. Okay. All right. And that responsibility falls on the driver. Right, but that action, the, the action carding will let you know when you're when you're. They should let you know. And they it. also do. They also pay for it. Also. Mm. Well, there you go. There's one of the benefits of working in action carding. You get your <laughs> your medical renewal. Paid you're not getting for. any coffee, but you get the <laughs> yeah, no, no coffee in the fatigue meetings. Uh. Um, <laughs> No, that that's I. It is it. That was one of our biggest sort of what the moments when it, when it was revealed that his license he did not have the proper, you know, the CDL, and and we were we were kind of scratching our heads as to how it could have happened, you know. So it that's, sounds like it's a sort of a an administrative thing. Maybe he didn't know, or and and you know, we found out while we were reporting this story that the the driver in question who hit. Um, Ramirez retired shortly after his the collision, and so perhaps you know he thought he didn't need to renew this card if he knew he was going to retire anyway. Maybe you know mm-hmm. I, I don't know. We could speculate. That's, That's all complete we speculation, do. but um, still, it was shocking to know that he was on the road. Well, um, there was a lot of very interesting things with with this case. Specific, you know, you know, for us, the amount of time it took for the police to make a determination if they were going to press charges or if they weren't, how much went into it as far as their uh, investigation, how much did the district attorney investigate, or how much did they depend on what the police department had. There was all sorts of, of things like that. And then when we talked to you guys and learned about the you know what the work environment is like it really added a whole new dimension to it and uh, that's why it's it's an interesting story if you got the t- the time uh, and if you're listening to this I'm sure you do <laughs> you could you could see it online at uh, brooklynpaper.com it's uh, from our February 14th edition driven to death carding companies overworking and law skirting leads to fatal accidents workers claim that's the headline by Julianne Cuba and it's all part of our blind spots coverage here on uh, Brooklyn at BrooklynPaper.com and on, on Brooklyn Paper Radio, which we want to continue doing uh, until, I don't know, maybe until Vision Zero comes to fruition. Uh, you know, that would be the, big, the biggest sort of thrill of this blind spot series is, is if it can come to fruition. Or, you know, or if I also think, you know, just having the city acknowledge that it's it's a very herculean attempt and mistakes may be made in the process but you know to to know that they're doing their best to you know make vision zero a reality which which some of these accidents make us question mm. oh, without, i mean so without question <laughs> <laughs> Without question. So, all right. Well, we always open it up to you guys. Was there anything else you wanted to tell us about? Was there anything you wanted to get out there before we, we close the show? Or do you think we've touched on everything you wanted to touch on? But if there was something that you wanted to bring up that we haven't asked about, the mic is yours, guys. Let can, us know. Can, can listeners do anything to help the cause of, of the drivers? You know, is there is there petitions or is there anything they can do? I would, I, for the listeners, I would tell them this. Uh, 
I'm a uh, long-time uh, private sanitation uh, driver. Uh, if, you're, if you're taking your kids to school in the morning, I would pay attention to green garbage trucks and uh, private sanitation garbage trucks because you have a fleet of falling asleep drivers come 7, 8 o'clock in the morning uh, when these uh, trucks is out there and when these kids are going to school. That's what I would that – w- that would be my message for the uh, listeners. That's a very – you know, sobering message, um, especially to, to parents, especially in the wake of the death of two children yesterday, um, not at the hands of a private truck driver, but still, you know, kids are always crossing the street and, uh, you know, every chance we can to remind ourselves not, you know, that that an accident could happen at any moment, I guess. Right. And when you see a ball roll out, you got to stop. You have yeah, to stop. That was what they always taught me when I was a kid. You know, you see a ball roll out into the street. Stick and ball, wiffle ball. Whatever my Tennis whiff. <laughs> a tennis whiff. Whatever it might be. All right, Alan Henry and Alan Henry. Junior. I want to uh, thank you guys for coming on the yeah, show. Yeah, thank you both so much, honestly. We really appreciate, appreciate it. it. Uh, I think it's pretty enlightening. It's 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 a good look inside, uh, you know, what's happening late at night and uh, out there on the streets where, you know, these guys are doing a job keeping the city. Some of the hardest workers in the city. Keeping the city the clean. Hardest, yeah. And uh, we got to get their hours down and we got to get them driving, you know. Get them s- some coffee. A little slower. A little coffee. No, too, I'm, ki- I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> no, but thank you guys both for coming on the show. Honestly, it's 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 been a privilege. And for your help, Alan Sr. in, um, in the uh, Driven to Death story. Thank you for having thank me. You. All right, guys. Take care and thanks for listening and we will... Be back next week. Bundle uh, up. Tonight. <laughs> Paper Radio. <laughs>